Listeners, you're probably wondering why it's just Chris and uh, we don't have Brian today. Um, that's because Brian's been a little under the weather the last uh, last couple of weeks. He had a had a tough run with doing overtime for for work, and unfortunately, that kind of caught up with his body at some point and uh, has made him feel a little rough. So, if you uh, happen to be on uh, Twitter or something, please uh, please send our dear dear demodulated a. Uh, uh, get well and uh, please rest yourself. So we decided to not um, have a podcast this week, unfortunately. Now at least not have a uh, you know a two-person podcast that we usually do. Geez, I don't even know how to I don't even know how to talk without Brian around. This is really weird. I feel like I'm doing some weird monologue. Um, so uh, it's just me, and it'll just be for for a few minutes. So I'm not going to do a full episode because that would be too weird without having my uh, podcasting buddy for this whole thing. So um, it's Mother's Day, and if you're hearing any background noise, I'm not sure if you are or not. It's because uh, I'm with my uh, partner's family, and uh, it's pretty busy around here today. And uh, I'm not sure if it's Mother's Day everywhere, but let's say it probably should be Mother's Day everywhere because it's such a great, uh, such a great idea for a holiday. Um, so I thought instead of talking about games directly for a few minutes, I thought I would just kind of talk about um, what my mom means for me and uh, playing these old games because uh, that's a, been such a big part of my life and I've never uh, really thought too much about how how much my mom intersected with me uh, playing these old games. Um, I'm sure you guys have all heard the many, many, many stories I've had about uh, um, growing up with old games and uh, my mom's played a huge role in that. I think for most people uh, it's their dads because, you know, the dads, some of you have dads who are engineers, um, some of you have had dads who are tech geeks. Um, some of you had dads who were gamers, even even way back then. Um, but for me, my dad, um, he wasn't really into computers. He was a very old school kind of guy. He was uh, <laughs> he was much more into uh, um, I don't know um, being outdoors, that kind of thing. Um, so it was my mom that got me uh, my first computer. Um, the first, uh, um, so I, I am going to give you a bit of monologue, I guess. Uh, I'm not sure if I mentioned to you all, but the, the first machine that we meaningfully had uh, as our own was a, uh, a Tandy TRS-80. Um, I don't know if those of you out in the, uh, Europe are familiar with Tandys because I suspect those were a kind of a nor- particular to North America. But Tandy, the TRS-80, um, the TRS stands for Tandy Radio Shack, should give you a hint at what it was. It was a um, uh, it was a computer resold or sold by Radio Shack, but built by Tandy, and it was its own thing. It wasn't uh, PC based, um, let, let's say MS DOS based. It was its own uh, had its own operating system. Well, sort of. Um, it actually just had BASIC and ROM. 
Um, but it was pr pretty popular. It started off in the, um, I think in the late 70s as the Tandy Model 1, uh, the TRS-80 Model 1, and then it moved on from there. But what I actually had was a Tandy Coco. Um, and a Coco was a Tandy color computer. And this is still a TRS-80, but it was TRS-80 with color. So um, I think it was probably made to compete with the Commodore 64. That's my best guess. Um, uh, anybody who's ever owned a C64 is probably rolling their eyes because um, there's no way this could compete with the C64. It didn't really have any good onboard music. Um, the color itself was pretty pretty flimsy. Um, it had that really weird, I don't know what to call it, it that really weird um, kind of corrupted graphics look. The Apple II also had the same thing where if you, if you want to produce, um, I don't know, I don't know what to call this. If you want to produce colors that are not in the palette, you can kind of get it to, you can kind of screw with the video graphics array. Um, I don't think I should call it a video graphics array. I, let's just say you want to screw with the graphics chipset if it had one, and I don't think it did, um, so that it could blend two colors on the screen simultaneously, but it kind of made this off-white pinkish kind of color. Uh, oh, I really hope somebody writes in about this because I don't know how to explain what I'm talking about. The Apple IIe suffered from it, and so did the uh, TRS-80. It was this way of kind of creating third colors even though it only supported a very, very limited color palette. Uh, I think 8 or 16 colors. It was very, very small. I don't even think it was 16 colors. Um, but anyway, um, the reason I brought it up was because the only reason we even had this is because my mom thought that we might need a computer for the house. Um, she, she found a friend of hers, and this was about 1984-85 by this point. Um, she found a friend of hers, he was a retired police officer, or maybe he was just a police officer, but uh, I do remember he was a cop, and his, uh, his family was getting rid of their Tandy Coco, and they were going to something else. Um, so what happened was she, uh, she, I don't know if this was, she bought it from him personally or if it was at a garage sale, but, uh, she got this very cheaply. And I remember she came home with this big white box. Uh, anybody who owned a TRS-80 will re remember this box. It's a white flimsy box, uh, with red lettering all over it. It says Tandy Color Computer. And inside it came with a couple of really terrible joysticks. These were joysticks that actually didn't have the, um, what would you call it? The uh, spring back to center mechanism. There was actually no spring inside the damn thing. So if you want to recenter it, you manually recenter it yourself by like just moving your hand back up to the center. A terrible joystick. Um, it was made to be held in two hands. The left hand kind of gripped it and your middle finger would snap this terrible fi red fire button. It only had one button. And your left hand would run the, the joystick on the top. It was kind of Atari, probably meant to emulate the Atari style joystick, but it's just awful. Um, it came with a Radio Shack brand cassette player, which was crazy important because the thing didn't really come with a disc drive. I'm, I'm sure you could buy one, but no one ever bought disc drives in those days for the Trash 80 because it was so expensive. By the way, Trash 80, that's what we love. I found out people lovingly called them uh, much later on. Um, so this thing uh, was just amazing to me. I was blown away. Um, that was the first time I was basically introduced to a computer in a meaningful way. Um, and it was set up in the corner of our house, um, kind of by our uh, record player and our entertainment system. And uh, <laughs> um, I remember getting this big pile of tapes. You know, piracy back then was even, 
in some ways more rampant than it is now in some funny way because you know when we got this trash aid we got i think we got two legit games one was called kids on key we got three legit games one was called kids on keys some sort of typing game i immediately could tell it was edutainment so i you know never once played it uh, another one was called um uh downland downland's amazing it's a great great platformer um, I think it predates Mario, and the thing is, the guy really looks like Mario, so I have no idea how to... I guess that's maybe just a, a coincidence that Nintendo had an almost identical character, um, and it's all about running through these caves collecting crystals, and I remember, I just played the living shit out of that game. Um, and Downland's incredible. I, I really recommend it for anybody who's into to platformers. Uh, and a third game um, called... Oh, shit shoot um give me a second give me a second it'll come back to me um it is you oh dungeons of daggerath which was a pretty amazing adventure rpg uh let's say a stripped down version of zork uh for uh the trs80 what an amazing game um and i'm i'm not sure if i've ever talked about it before but the idea behind dungeons of daggerath was you would be typing like you know pull right torch and that would pull out your the torch in your right hand and that would show you you know what the dungeon was and it was actually a 3d dungeon kind of a calabeth uh style or ultima one style 3d based dungeon and it would have monsters all over the place and you pretty much just had to avoid the dun- monsters i think you could kill them occasionally but you had a sword that didn't you know that didn't do much damage or the sword broke or something um, but it was amazing. It was a 3D wireframe dungeon, and it, and it looked really real. And the best part of it was the dungeon had this heart, um, the kind of heart meter that would, you know, kind of measure your uh, your health, current health. And uh, the uh, this thing would go... So every time you got damaged or or you got scared, I think it was if it was really dark, you'd get scared and it go and then um if you got attacked by a monster and you died, it'd go and you'd have a heart attack. So I guess the whole point of the game was, you know, avoid having a heart attack. Um and then there would be this this kind of thunderous sound and it would show this wizard and this evil wizard had had basically um had killed you or found a way to kill you in his dungeon, something like that. Um but we had this machine because my mom really thought, hey, you know what, my kids might enjoy this. And at the time, she probably didn't think much of it. She probably thought, oh, they're going to find this cute or fun or interesting. But I, I was really blown away. It was the first machine that I ever attempted to program in, in BASIC, and I failed miserably at it. Um, it was the first time, it was the only time I've really seen my mom kind of go hardcore on an adventure game she was addicted to this adventure game called pyramid 2000 i believe it was called and we had it it was on all of these uh by the way i brought up the whole pirated thing um all we had like a hundred cassette tapes all of them were loaded with pirated games they were all copies so there's somebody i was living in a small town at the time so there's somebody obviously had uh that people were swapping swapping games with each other on cassette tape which was a terrible laborious process um which often, you know, remember copies of copies of copies. Well, you know, when you do that on a diskette, it's fine because the diskette's doing a bit-for-bit copy. But, oh, usually it's fine, uh, unless your disk is corrupted somehow. Um, But cassette tapes actually would fade and add static because you would just connect 
cassette player to cassette player by via a little dubbing uh, a little dubbing uh, uh, headphone wire. So um, you would actually lose quality, and at some point the data is going to become unreadable off of the thing. But we had some pretty damn good cassettes. Um, they were all Radio Shack brand, which or Intertan brand, if anybody remembers that. I'm hoping some of, some of our fellow Canadians like uh, Joe might have had a, a trash 80 at some point and remember Intertan, which was, I think, a Tandy brand. Um, but anyway, um, she thought ahead and thought, hey, the kids might like this, and I loved it. Um, I did a lot of basic programming, or at least my attempt at it. My mom played Pyramid 2000, which was a text adventure, I think a semi-graphical text adventure. In my head, I seem to remember it having graphics. Um, but she was she was quite addicted to that. And I asked her a few months ago, whatever happened to that game? And she said, oh, well, I, I got really close to the end, but then I found this terrible bug. And the bug meant that I couldn't finish the game because it, it deleted one of my inventory items or, it, or I put down an inventory item and you couldn't pick it back up. And uh, I thought that was really cool. And, it, you know, it's funny. My, my mom didn't really play any adventure games her whole life, but... She told me that she was addicted to it. She said she the kids would go off to school and she would go home and just play the living crap out of um, Pyramid 2000 um, kind of all day while we were gone, while she was supposed to be cleaning or cooking or God knows what. Um, she was a, a little house mom for a little while. Um, yeah, so after that... Um, she, you know, got us an Intellivision, a Mattel Intellivision, which some people will say is a console, but actually, um, with with the proper add-ons, it actually became a fairly full-featured uh, computer system. I think it even had, um, you could get this thing called the ECS, I think it was the Entertainment Computer System or the Enhanced Computer System. Uh, we did have that, and it was an add-on, and we bought this used, too. This Intellivision was, oh, geez, it was 1987 when we, we got it used, and I think the thing was already six or seven years old. Um, but, you know, it had a ton of games on it. But you could actually do programming, and it had, like, a very rudimentary uh, attempt at a MIDI sequencer, which was pretty crazy. And again, my mom thought ahead and realized that, hey, kids might be into this. And keep in mind, this is a time when, you know, um, this is 1986. We lived in a very, very small town in the far, far north. Um, basically, for anybody wondering where I used to live, it was very close to the Arctic Circle. So the only other person I know that might even be close to that is our, our loving friend Trolls, and I have no idea actually how far Trolls Island is from that. So um, please correct me if I'm wrong. If one of you... Oh, wait. One of you... Uh, I, I think, I think Anatoly, you had a friend of yours that lived way up in Siberia. So maybe that, uh, <laughs> that'll, uh, that'll might be, that might be a little further north than I used to live. But this was far in the north where, you know, there's a town of 1,500 people. Um, the idea of a computer was just unimaginable up there. Um, that there was maybe a handful of people in the entire town who had computers. Those who did were very addicted to them, but um, very, very few people actually had them. So, um, None of the schools had them, for instance. That was not a thing we had in our school at that point. So they hadn't caught on up there. They always like, people like to say the North is about 15 years behind everyone else. And I think that's pretty accurate. So, you know, my mom was way ahead of the curve and I just wanted to thank her for that. Um, you know, there's a thousand things I want to thank my mom for. Um, you know, she would, uh, she would go into the city for me on days that I was sick um, you know, she had uh, some errands to run in the city and I, she'd say, do you want me to pick you up something? And I'd say, sure. And I'd get really excited. And she'd come back two or three or four hours later and, you know, it'd be in the middle of the afternoon and, 
knowing me, I probably wasn't that sick. I just wanted an excuse to play some video games all day or play on the computer secretly while everyone was gone. Um, but she'd come back with uh, a magazine for me, and sometimes it would be a GamePro or a CD-ROM today. And, you know, they were pretty expensive, and my family was, to be honest, quite poor at the time, um, you know, relative to anyone around us. So buying a magazine was, was a, a big purchase. It was kind of a thing you get once a month. Um, so, you know, that was amazing. And my mom would drive me in, I think I mentioned before, drive me in for these long city trips to either buy computer games at the computer store. Um, and you know, I'd save up all month or two for that, probably two or three months to be getting a new game. Um, or if I could find a used one, that was even better because I might be able to get two. Um, she, you know, she drove me in to get, uh, to get Monkey Island with my sister. She drove me in to get Sim City, which I'll never forget buying because I read the entire manual on the way home. Uh, she brought me in to get Sim Ant, um, Ultima 8, I remember finding, which was a great find at the time. Uh, the copy of Loom I got. Um, congratulations, uh, by the way, uh, to Francisco. Uh, Francisco, if you still listen to this podcast, um, the uh, I, I, w- I was so happy to hear that you got a signed or, well, I assume it was signed, but, you know, got a directly a copy from Brian Moriarty, um, uh, the uh, uh, Atari ST version. Um, well, that just blew my mind, and I was so happy for you. Um, you know, she she got me, to brought me to the mall to look for, here's a loom story. I went to the mall, um, and I was looking for games, and they had a lot of great stuff they had. You know, this is around the time that they had Bioforge was out, um, Ultima 8 was out, uh, Star Trek A Final Unity was out, um, there were all these kind of great um, early um, early multimedia kind of games, uh, Star Trek 25th Anniversary Judgment Rights was out on CD, amazing game, um, and I couldn't afford those, they were all 60-70 bucks, remember games were just as expensive as they are now for, you know, like say a PS3 game, brand new, like 70 bucks. So I went to the back of the store where they had this tiny little shelf. They had stopped kind of selling used game. This place was called A-plus Computers, which was just, I I lived for this place. Um, At the back of the store, they were starting to stop selling used games, which I was really sad about. But on this little wire rack, there were six games. One of them was Chessmaster 5000, I think. Um, another one, there was, there was all these software tool works games for some reason. And in the corner was this game called Loom. And I had never heard of it. Um, and my mom was like waiting around at the front of the store and she said, you know, I'll come back in 10 minutes and see if you're done. And I said, okay, thanks mom. Kind of thing. And, uh, you know, meanwhile, I'm, you know, trying not to look like, you know, I'm, I'm shopping with my mom, uh, at the computer store and all of these tech geeks are standing behind the counter, kind of glowering at me, laughing. Um, and, uh, I go this thing and I didn't recognize Loom but it was in a big box and on the box I think there was a sticker that said uh, full talkie edition or something like that or enhanced CD and I was like oh well that's that caught my attention and then I, I'll never forget this I slipped the little slip case off of it and it said oh yeah and it comes with bonus audio drama disc and I thought you know you're selling me on this I slipped it off took a, opened it up and inside was this beautiful, beautiful book of patterns. And I just flipped it open. And it was made out of this really old rough paper. And I was really, really impressed by this. So I, it was 20 bucks. And I was like, okay, that's a little expensive for a used game. But, you know, I'm in. I'm, you know, I'm, um, I'm going to give this a shot. So took it home and I was blown away. It was one of the most beautiful games I had ever saw. I, I absolutely fell in love with Loom. So 
I owe my mom, all of that, just because she stepped out for 10 minutes and gave me a chance to dig through the back rack where I normally wouldn't go. Um, another one was, uh, I think I told the story already of me buying Willie Beamish, The Adventures of Willie Beamish. Went to a local pharmacy that would sell games in jewel cases on the rack, and uh, I... This is another one my mom's, you know, oh God, it was so embarrassing. Um, I apologize if you've heard the story before, but this is for any of our listeners who might have missed that episode. I, uh, I went to the front to pay for it, and there was this cute, cute, cute girl working in the front. And I think I was 16, 15 years old and, you know, hadn't had a girlfriend in a long, long time. Well, probably never really had a girlfriend by that point, as far as I know. Um, not a real one. Um, make what you want of that. Um <laughs> My mom goes to the front with me, and uh, I'm paying, and she's standing behind me, and I'm trying to, you know, look casual here, and um, I think the girl thought it was a music CD, and she said, oh, what's this? And she flipped it over, and it has, you know, Willie Beamish with his skateboard and shit-eating grin and Horny the Frog on the front, and uh, it's just an... it's To me, it was a cool cover, but to her, it must have been like, you know, the equivalent of finding out that you, I don't know... Uh, I, I just can't even find any comparator for how embarrassing this was. She probably thought I was buying, like, on, on the back it probably looked like I was buying, like, I don't know, at the time, a Nirvana CD or something. And then she kind of, like, permitted herself this very kind of knowing smile. And my mom, instead of making this better, my mom turned to her and she said, Oh, my son, he's such a nerd. <laughs> So you can imagine, you can imagine how flustered I was. You know, this this girl who I saw was potential dating material, um, who's probably a couple of years older than me. Honestly, she's probably in her twenties, and I was way out of my, uh, she was way out of my league anyway. Um, yeah, that was over. That 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 was time to like exit stage right and run out of the 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 London drugs and get into the car and just wait for my mom to go. You know. When she got in the car and go, Mom, can't believe you said that, kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, never forgot that. But uh, I I came out on top. That Willie Beamish CD was totally worth it. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't drop it and run. Um, my mom was the person who didn't say anything when I fried the 286 by trying to hot swap the ad lib. Um, thank you, Mom. She just took it in and tried to get uh, a replacement in and ended up having to buy us a whole new computer. Holy cow. Um, my mom was the one that I persuaded to buy me a TI-85. Now, Ben or anybody else who was a TI programmer, um, you'll remember that the TI-81, I believe, was the standard calculator. That was the kind of low-end calculator that everyone got. It's the blue, the one with the blue case. Everyone got that in high school because it was cheaper. It was about 150 bucks versus 250 bucks or something crazy like that. Well, I somehow persuaded my mom, through, I'm sure through a form of trickery, you know, kind of saying to her, oh my God, this is 10,000 times better. I'll get so much better at math by doing it this way. Oh no, no, that blue one, if we buy the blue one, um, you know, you, we're going to have to upgrade it, you know, next year. And that just means you're going to have to spend more money on me, mom. So I think you should just baby, you're, you're saving money by getting the black one. So just get me the, yeah, get me the black one. So, and, and I think I chipped in actually, to be honest, I think I might've chipped in a hundred bucks on my own money to, to <laughs> finally get her to make the decision to get me the beautiful TI-85. Um, but I can't remember for sure or not. 
Um, I can't see her spending 250 bucks on a calculator uh, in those days. So she did get it for me and it was amazing. And I spent all of my time in class and math class programming it. I almost failed math because all of my time was spent making this Legend of the Red Dragon uh, ripoff. As I mentioned in one of the earliest episodes, I... Um, I was in love with the thing and eventually the calculator got taken away by the teacher and got put in the teacher's storage closet <laughs> for the rest of the semester. So I didn't even get to use it the whole time. Um, but I still, uh, I, I still absolutely love that thing. Um, my mom was the person who um, got my sister and I King's Quest IV. Um, I'm told that story too many times, I won't go over and over it, but uh, uh, I owe her my love for adventure games is because that day my mom bought King's Quest IV for a brand new uh, 286 computer. Uh, my mom on, um, I think it was Valentine's Day, uh, when I was 14 or 15, got me a uh, new modem with a uh, little book that said the general purpose Unix um, uh, manual for connecting to the university's uh, dial-up system. And she kind of stepped me through, and she got me a big box of discs that had all of the uh, uh, dial-up uh, MS Kermit. Uh, if anybody remembers Kermit, the Kermit protocol on it, it had a bunch of other stuff so I could download stuff from the university servers. Um, oh, I, I owe her everything. Uh, my mom, in at some point, she started uh, doing a master's degree at the university, and she got a grant for a few thousand dollars to uh, buy some equipment to do her study from the uh, Canadian Circumpolar Institute. I really remember that well. They were an amazing body. And um, my mom uh, was allowed to buy a laptop with this because she was going to be doing some interview research way up north and she needed a laptop for it. So she um, went to Future Shop and went to buy a laptop and I got to go with her. I knew I, knew I had to be there for this because this was, I think it was grade 12 for me. And I, I, I wanted to be there to help her pick one out. So we went looking at laptops and they were ungodly expensive. They were started at 1500 bucks and went easily past the $4,000 point. And, um, she, she, she had about three grand to spend. So, um, I don't think she intended this. I think she only spent extended, expect, expected to spend about 1500 bucks on this thing. Um, so we first looked at the low end. Uh, I want to say they were, uh, really slow, um, like a, a 486 25 megahertz so that would be an sx25 i believe um and it had like you know a couple megs of ram uh maybe four tops um it had uh it had a black and white um um matrix uh lcd which which was kind of slow and it didn't upgrade uh, uh it didn't upgrade the update the screen very quickly so it'd get a lot of blurring and worst of all it was black and white uh, but it was 1500 bucks and it was really cheap so then i said but look at this one mom and there was this toshiba oh geez uh, uh i can't remember the model name right off the top of my head i want to say it was a ct 4080 but i do remember it's a ct something and it had an active matrix tft lcd meaning that it was color full color i believe it was um a true color i believe that was the mode it was supported or 65000 colors whatever that is uh maybe that's high color um and the uh it had 8 megs of ram which was unbelievable For, uh we we didn't have that much in our regular computer and it had a little, uh, I want to say it was a 
250 meg hard drive, which was not a lot, but remember, this is the first time that those size, uh, they're kind of like a two and a half inch drive. That was the first time those drives are around, so that was a big deal having that much um, memory crammed into a small drive. And, you know, it had this cool snap-on trackball that snap onto the side of the laptop. Uh, it was an amazing machine. And um, I somehow persuaded my mom to get this 486DX33 or maybe even DX266. It was fucking fast. Um, I somehow persuaded her to get this machine, which I think was just over the $3,000 point. So she spent twice as much money as she intended. And she, I convinced her to get a Can, Canon BJ200E. Uh, anybody remembers this? is the Canon black and white bubble jet printer, the little portable one. I convinced her to get a bubble jet because we had an old, old, old... Um, uh, not Daisy Wheel, uh, uh, the other kind of really, really slow printer, the <laughs> printer. Um, I convinced her to get that. So, and to be honest, the only reason I wanted this is because two days earlier I had pirated a copy of Destruction Derby and it required a math coprocessor, which my computer did not have. So I really just wanted to play D Destruction Derby. So the first thing we did as soon as I got home is I loaded up Destruction Derby and it was amazing. It was amazing. So yeah, sorry mom, um, your, your, your nice government grant was really just there to fund me playing Destruction Derby and, uh, and also checking out the uh, Simpsons. Uh, I, I believe I put the uh, Simpsons screensaver on it. Uh, which was pretty amazing. Um, you know, my mom was the person who let me, even though I got in trouble for this, obviously, rack up a $1,200 ISP bill with the nonprofit organization she worked for, which was really, really horrible at the time. Um, I did that on, uh, by accident, uh, completely unknowingly, but still, my mom was the person who smoothed things over with the nonprofit and, uh, you know, basically... Uh, kind of let me get away with this. So I don't know. I could come up with a hundred more reasons why my mom is, made me into the kind of person I am. Um, and, you know, that's the good and the bad. That's the parts of me that I, I love gaming and I'm, uh, I obsessively collect game boxes because they're so beautiful. Um, and they're the not so good parts of me, the parts of me that's a little too obsessive. Um, the part of me that should have probably grew up a long time ago um, and dropped games and just said that, you know, they're a meaningless entertainment product um, or, or, you know, that should be only played by kids, etc., etc. Um, you know, all of us have to grow up at some point. Um, but for better or for worse, I am who I am because my mom, you know, she, uh, she either had the forethought to get those games and those computer systems or she just let my, me and my sister persuade her into getting them for us. So I just want to thank you, Mom. And, uh, and, and I still have my mom. She's still around. I'm very lucky for that. Um, some of you don't, I'm sure. Um, we'll all be there someday, unfortunately. So I guess that just means that um, we need to appreciate them while we have them. And uh, appreciate the good and the bad that we get from our parents. And, uh, you know, we are who we are thanks to, to them. And um, for good and for bad, I thank my mom a thousand times over for that. So that that is the Mother's Day edition of the show. I'm sorry I kind of retreaded old ground, but I thought, you know, this is my way of giving uh, some thanks back and making us uh, kind of remember why we're, why we're here, why we're on this earth. And um, I hope that all of you... Um, who have moms or who who are apart from their moms or whose moms are gone now, 
um, had the chance this weekend to think that over a little bit and uh, just appreciate whatever it is that we have, even if it's something very, very small. So um, uh, from on behalf of Brian and I, we love you all. We, uh, we miss our, our listeners very, very much, and it's always painful when we have to miss an episode. So we will be back next week. Um, I believe the topic is puzzle games, um, and uh, we'll be talking with, uh, hopefully, a friend of Brian's, a real-life friend of Brian's and uh, named Bram. And uh, we'll be talking about puzzle games. I'm sure many of you can already anticipate what I'm going to talk about because I have to talk about The Incredible Machine. And I have to talk about Tetris, even though I'm sure everyone's sick to death talking about Tetris. I've got some good stories there, too. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and we'll go from there. Um, if you have stories about how your mom or s- some sort of caregiver has been an important part of your life when it comes to gaming, I'd love to hear. We'd, we'd love to hear uh, hear your feedback and uh hear what uh, kind of influence they've had on your life. So um, on behalf of Brian and I, happy Mother's Day. Have a, hope you had a great weekend. You're having a good week, and we will catch up with you very, very soon. Bye.